vicious act of violence that still boggles the mind. Teenage girls charged with murder in the death of a man directly in the heart of the downtown core. The startling story now playing out in a courtroom. Will those young alleged killers be set free? Good evening tonight. One of those eight accused has an answer. A set of circumstances putting our city in the spotlight, but not in a good way. So much about this case largely shrouded in secrecy simply because of the ages of the people involved. CTV's Andrew Brennan is live with the details. Andrew. Well, Nathan, the judge today speaking about the visceral reaction and shock value to the alleged acts as she revealed her decision ultimately granting bail to this one co-accused out of the eight teenagers. As she sat down in the courtroom, the teenage girl, one of eight accused of second-degree murder and the only one actually in the courthouse, was comforted by her lawyer. She was ultimately granted bail. In my experience of two decades, I haven't seen a case like this where eight alleged teenage girls are accused of getting together, going downtown, swarming a homeless man. Toronto police say the 59-year-old man was attacked and stabbed in the street, shocking many and making headlines around the world. The co-accused ranged between 13 and 16 years old. The other seven appeared virtually from their detention centres. Next week, they will learn the dates of their bail hearings. Of the seven, only two parents for one of the accused were acknowledged to be present by the Justice of the Peace. Lawyer Ari Goldkind says the judge has to look beyond the potential public outrage to granting bail because the backbone of the legal system remains one is innocent unless proven guilty. While the public, and I understand this intimately, really will not like today's headline and today's release, the judge was following the law, and if the Crown Attorney doesn't think the judge was, the Crown Attorney can appeal today's decision. The single co-accused was released on a host of conditions, including staying at home except to attend school, having no cell phone or access to the Internet unless for online learning, and to not contact any of the seven other girls or the girlfriend of the victim whose identity has still not been made public. Now, as for the judge's reasons in granting bail, they weren't actually given today. That won't happen until the new year on January 10th. But before that, the seven other co-accused will be finding out what their dates for their bail hearings will be. That's potentially going to be into the new year, into February, potentially. Reporting live, I'm Andrew Brennan. Nathan, we'll send it back to you inside. All right, thank you, Andrew. Next to another story that's sending shockwaves right across this country. The killing of an OPP rookie constable just hours after passing his probationary period. Tonight, the tributes are growing for the man who dreamed of becoming a police officer. That shock also being met with outrage. One of the people charged prohibited from having firearms. And there are now calls for measures that could prevent another first responder from being killed. CTV Siobhan Morris is live with more. Siobhan. Zaretta, we heard heartbreak from police officers right across the country at the death of Greg Prashella. Now it's hardened into anchor, and they want to see changes at the government here in Ontario and the federal level to, to improve things in the court so this doesn't happen again. A young life, a burgeoning career in public service, cut abruptly short in what the OPP commissioner calls an ambush. The murder of Constable Greg was preventable. This should have never happened Something needs to change. Randall McKenzie and Brandy Stewart Sperry are charged with first-degree murder. 
Mackenzie was banned from owning a gun following an armed robbery in 2017. Parole board documents show that behind bars, he stabbed another inmate. In 2021, Mackenzie faced new charges for owning a gun and assaulting a peace officer. He was released with a court date this September. He didn't show. I'm outraged by the fact that Mackenzie was out on bail and was provided the opportunity to take the life of an innocent officer. This former homicide detective says many in law enforcement share that outrage. I appreciate the presumption of innocence. I truly do. But there comes a time when you look at somebody like this guy, uh, who is really the poster child for somebody who should not have been released under any conditions at all. There's hope Constable Greg Prochella's death will move decision makers. I think now uh, is the time for uh, a call for action from uh for the, for, for the federal government, um, we need to take a look at bail reform. We need to take a look at the um, repeat offender parole uh, system. There's a push to increase the number of officers checking on those who do get bail. The fact that a bench warrant is issued and sort of went into a void and, and nobody was actively looking for uh, this person is unfortunately uh, not entirely surprising given the, the, the paltry resources uh, many police services have to work with. The slow churn of the courts isn't helping. We have to speed up the justice process and speed it up so that they get into court and have their day in court and have their trial in a couple of months as opposed to a couple of years. Today, the federal justice minister highlighted steps already taken to toughen bail rules for violent offenders. While David Lametti says the government is committed to building safer communities, he didn't commit to anything new. I did reach out to Ontario's Attorney General to see if anything can be changed here, but didn't get a response. Late this afternoon, we did learn that Greg Prochella's funeral will be held Wednesday in Barrie. That's his hometown. A procession carrying his body from the coroner's office here in Toronto to Barrie will leave at 9 a.m. That's tomorrow. Reporting live, I'm Siobhan Morris. Nathan, back to you. All right. Thank you, Siobhan. And our coverage of this story continues on our website. Our team of journalists tracking every detail at CTV News Toronto. Straight ahead, clearing out the baggage backlog. Confusion as passengers try to claim lost luggage. What travelers need to know. But we hear the term icon often these days. There is no denying Pele is just that. Only weeks after coming together for the FIFA World Cup, soccer fans are united tonight in mourning. The Brazilian football superstar dying at the age of 82 after a battle with cancer. CTV's Tom Walters has a look back at the sports legend's life. The 1958 World Cup was the first one televised worldwide. And into the global spotlight stepped a Brazilian boy wonder, keeping a promise to his father. Father, no, don't worry, I'm going to win one World Cup for you. Pelé scored the only goal in a 1-0 quarterfinal against Wales, three goals in a semifinal victory over France, and two more in the final against Sweden. He was just 17 and had led Brazil to its first World Cup victory. By the time he retired, it would have more of them than any other country on earth. In fact, Brazil declared him a national treasure in an effort to keep him from playing anywhere else. Born Edson Arantes do Nascimento, a nickname that started as a childhood taunt, would become legendary. Before Maradona, Messi or Ronaldo, before Beckenbauer, Beckham or Best, there was Pelé. Inventive, versatile, seemingly exempt from the law of gravity. He ripped up the record books in club play 
only to be sidelined by injury in the 1962 World Cup, then targeted, violently fouled, and forced out in 1966. But in 1970, he soared again, contributing to over half of all Brazil's scoring, including this goal, and two assists in the final. For a time, he was the highest-paid athlete in the world and was so beloved that the two sides in Nigeria's merciless civil war agreed to a 48-hour truce so both could watch Pelé. I always, I try to give my best, to give the best for the people, for the crowd. In 1975, he came out of retirement to play three seasons in New York. No longer at his best, perhaps, he still led the Cosmos to a league championship. During and after his career, he was celebrated by monarchs and presidents, including one who felt he should introduce himself. Oh, by the way, my name's Ronald Reagan. But everyone knows Pelé, he said. Named FIFA Player of the Century and Olympic Athlete of the Century, he holds records that still stand, has raised millions for charity, and has continued to inspire, reminding kids at a Toronto Youth Centre to be themselves. If you are yourself, you can be anyone or better than anyone. Andy Warhol said Pelé contradicted his theory. Instead of 15 minutes of fame, he will have 15 centuries. And perhaps he was right. There can be little doubt that as long as the world plays a game called soccer, it will remember a player called Pelé. Tom Walters, CTV News, Los Angeles. And Pele's official Instagram account confirmed his death, writing, Inspiration and love mark the journey of King Pele, who peacefully passed away today. On his journey, Edson enchanted the world with his genius in sport, stopped a war, carried out social works all over the world, and spread what he most believed to be the cure for all problems, love. His message today becomes a legacy for future generations. Love, love, and love forever. We got more news in a moment, but first let's take a look outside on this Thursday evening. I mean, well above seasonal, Michelle. I mean, it's hard to believe last week it was like the snow story. Yeah, I mean, I think what, what I was saying a couple of days ago is that uh, between Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve, we're feeling two different seasons almost, and that is really coming true. It's very mild right now, quite cloudy, of course. Some possibilities for drizzle this evening through the overnight, but rain really getting going as we get into tomorrow. We're at 9 degrees here in Mississauga and Oakville and Burlington, already at 10 in the Niagara region, and that's where we're headed here in the city of Toronto. Winds out of the southwest, a bit breezy at times, of course, making it feel a little bit cooler, but that's helping to usher in this warmth and fair bit of humidity as well. It's five at the island, so we've dropped a little bit there. Nine at Pearson Airport, ten with periods of drizzle at Pearson Airport through the overnight. And we're looking at a double-digit high for tomorrow as well, very likely. We'll talk more about that coming up. Back to you, Nathan. All right. Thank you, Michelle. After days of travel turmoil, some passengers are finally able to get bags they lost thanks to a problem at Pearson Airport. And while that many are glad to get their personal belongings back, some want compensation too, and for that they could face a long wait. CTV's John Woodward is live with more. John. So, Ryder, we're here at, at the depot where Air Canada passengers are collecting their bags. There's a similar place nearby for Sunwing passengers. All the people we've talked to say they can't believe what they've been through over the past week. Passenger Ivan Mack is pleased with his baggage handling experience today. Here it's fast. In the airport, it was like, uh, uh, it was a chaos. 
Mack was among the passengers invited to Air Canada's facility to pick up the bags that were stuck at Pearson International Airport over Christmas holidays thanks to a baggage belt malfunction. I haven't changed my clothes till then because everything I, I, I've got nothing. The baggage problems affected all airlines at Terminal 3, which meant that it hit Sunwing Airlines too. That airline was already reeling from cancelled flights that stranded some passengers in Mexico and Cuba, as well as the impact from a North America-wide storm. So we had to cancel. My son has autism. It's impossible to stay and sleep in the airport for over eight hours. Um, we are not campers, I'm sorry. Sunwing offering its own passengers a chance to get their luggage at this facility, also offering up an apology for what a Cancun staffer said when challenged by a man with a five-month-old baby trying to get home. Sunwing told CTV News an internal review has been conducted and the representative has been removed from duties and will face disciplinary actions. We sincerely apologize to our customers for their experience and would like to reassure them that the representative's comments are not aligned with our company's values. Some here hoping for refunds, according to Canadian rules. If a passenger can't get it from the airline, they can appeal to the Canadian Transportation Agency. But their complaint backlog is surging to 31,000 cases, producing wait times the agency estimates are in the 18-month range. A consequence of complaint surges from travel delays starting with COVID-19 and repeated shocks to the system, says consumer advocate John Lawford. It's a pretty chaotic situation and unfortunately every time the passenger protection regulations, it seems that they're going to get a breather and start to work on the backlog, then a new issue comes up. The CTA says they're working on it, saying we anticipate this ongoing review will continue to yield opportunities for process efficiencies and automation. I'm getting my money back and a compensation. Mac didn't get a refund, but he got a 50% off voucher for his next trip. Sunwing also apologized today for cancelling all flights out of Regina and Saskatoon effective immediately, saying the disruptions over the past week have made continuing there impossible. Reporting live, I'm John Woodward. Back to you. All right, thank you, John. Meanwhile, a new survey finds Canada's two biggest airlines came in at the low end when it comes to punctuality. Aviation analytics company Sirium ranked the 10 largest airlines in Canada and the United States for their on-time performance this year. Air Canada and WestJet came in worst and second worst, with Air Canada flights arriving within 15 minutes of schedule, just over 55% of the time. WestJet managed on-time arrivals for just over 60% of its flights. The data does not include the travel chaos caused by the holiday winter storms. It's been another day of travel chaos across the U.S., mostly impacting passengers on Southwest Airlines. Southwest actually booked me on a flight for January 2nd. Um, my wedding is tomorrow, December 30th, so that was past the date of the wedding. Um, there were no flights. There are no flights. I don't care about my luggage. I don't care if my luggage was in Chicago right now. I just want to go home. We survived four days in Orlando with zero baggage. I mean, we didn't have, you know, medicines or toiletries, changes of clothes. As of 2.45 p.m. today, there were almost 2,500 flights cancelled across the U.S. 95% of them were on Southwest Airlines as the company tries to recover from days of chaos prompted by extreme weather. My personal apology is the first step of making things right after many plans changed and experiences fell short of your expectations of us. We're continuing the work to make this up to you, and you'll hear more about that soon. But for now... 
We're focused on restoring the reliability and level of customer experience we expect of ourselves and that you expect from us. Southwest says it will assess whether it can improve its handling of big storms. The airline said its operations should be a lot closer to normal by tomorrow. Also in the U.S., at least 40 deaths have now been linked to the extreme winter weather that pummeled Buffalo and surrounding areas. Officials expect the death toll to rise. There are still cases for the medical examiner's office to review, including some absolutely heartbreaking cases, some that we've all, a few of us have known about for more than 24 hours, uh, including a four-month-old who died on Christmas Day at the medical examiner's office. There are additional bodies that have been received that are believed to be blizzard deaths, but they do need to have an autopsy and additional work done. The travel ban has been lifted in Buffalo and the National Guard has been called in as recovery efforts continue in New York State. Toronto police say they have uncovered a money counterfeiting scheme after carrying out an arrest. 48-year-old Hallie Dorley of Ajax is accused in an armed robbery near Danforth and Greenwood last Thursday. Upon his arrest, police say they found a large sum of cash, a sizable amount of counterfeit currency and the supplies needed to produce more. Dorley faces robbery, firearm and counterfeit charges. He was set to appear in court today. Toronto police are asking for your help investigating an assault on the TTC. On December 17th, police say a victim was involved in a dispute with a man and a woman on a streetcar near Girard and the Don Valley Parkway. They say the suspects fled after the assault and they're now trying to identify them. Anyone with information is asked to contact detectives at 55 Division or Crime Stoppers. At Queen's Park, the Ford government has formally appealed a court decision striking down Bill 124. That legislation capped public sector salary increases to 1% per year when it was impl implemented in 2019. Healthcare advocates say it has played a role in driving staff shortages, just as the pandemic and other factors put pressure on hospitals. Several labor organizations and unions took the province to court, saying Bill 124 was unconstitutional. Back in November, a judge agreed, but the Ford government said it would appeal. The Financial Accountability Office says workers could be owed billions if Bill 124 is voided permanently. Canada is among four countries calling on Iran to agree to binding arbitration for shooting down Flight 752 nearly three years ago. Everyone on board was killed. January 8th, 2022 will mark three years since Shaheen Mogadam lost his wife and 10-year-old son. They were among 176 passengers killed when Ukrainian Airlines flight PS752 was shot down minutes after takeoff from Tehran. Someone like me has nothing to lose anymore. 85 of the 176 passengers killed were Canadian citizens and permanent residents. The plane shot down by Iran's Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps. For three years, the families of those killed have been pushing the federal government to do more to bring justice for their loved ones. I need to know exactly what happened and I need the justice. I need to uh, see those uh, perpetrators um, I'm behind, you know, the, in, see them in the court, in real court. Canada is now among a group of four countries calling on Iran to agree to binding arbitration for the downing of flight PS752 by two missiles launched unlawfully and intentionally by members of Iran's Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps. This is, in my view, public relations, nothing more, nothing less. The lawyer representing victims' families is not convinced this move will do much to hold Iran to account. And we know full well 
that Iran is not going to attend. They are not going to go to binding arbitration. We're talking about a, a, a rogue regime that kills its people with impunity internally and killed 176 people on this plane on January 8th, 2020. The group of nations, which also includes Britain, Sweden and Ukraine, made the request for arbitration through a United Nations convention designed to protect commercial aircraft from attack, promising in a statement that they remain committed to pursuing efforts to hold Iran accountable. If Iran does not agree to the demand for binding arbitration within six months, the case can be referred to the International Court of Justice. Well, some countries have mandated COVID-19 testing for passengers arriving from China. But so far, Canada has not followed suit. With pandemic restrictions lifted, virus case counts are skyrocketing across China. So far, there's been no word on any new variants emerging, but scientists say it's certainly possible. As some countries take precautions, the U.S. will require passengers aged two and up to get a COVID test no more than two days before their departure. Some experts say travel measures are hard to implement effectively. The problem with limited travel restrictions like this is that it's really easy for people to bypass them. You could fly to Canada or the U.S. from a third intermediary country and get around it in some circumstances. Also, if you have to test, you know, get your test two days beforehand, well, that still gives you two days to catch COVID in China and then come to Canada. So it would... <laughs> The problem with implementing these types of measures is that if you only do them in a half-hearted way, um, they tend not to make that much of an impact. Canada's public health agency says it's monitoring the COVID-19 situation in China. Neighboring India, meanwhile, will soon require travelers from five countries to undergo pre-departure testing for COVID-19. As of January 1st, people flying from China and Hong Kong, as well as Japan, South Korea, Thailand and Singapore, will be required to show proof of a negative COVID-19 test before traveling to India. India's international airports have also resumed random COVID-19 testing. And Italy is bringing in mandatory COVID-19 testing for all passengers arriving from China. Italian Prime Minister Giorgia Maloney is now urging the European Union to follow its lead on imposing the mandatory tests. Italy was the first nation in Europe to be hit hard by the virus back in February of 2020. Forty percent of residents in Ukraine's capital are without power tonight after Russia's latest round of airstrikes. Bombardment considered one of the largest since the war began, sending several people to hospital. CTV's Annie Bergeron-Oliver has the latest from London. Subway stations below Ukraine's capital filled up when the air raid sirens sounded, a now all-too-common signal to take shelter. I'm tired of the war, this medic says. It's hard to be afraid every day and to keep putting your life on hold. Russian rockets started firing over Kyiv and the rest of Ukraine at 7 a.m. In total, more than 69 missiles were launched. One in Kharkiv struck an electricity station. Video posted by local firefighters showed the site completely engulfed in flames. This top Ukrainian military official says the cruise missiles and anti-aircraft guided missiles were aimed at critical and energy infrastructure. The Russians want to bring depression, especially right now, Christmas time. 
New Year. The, the Russians want to bring us to, to black time, to uh, without uh, lighting, to without heating. While Ukraine claims the vast majority of Russia's rockets were intercepted by its air defense systems, the debris left lasting damage in many cities. At least two homes in the capital were completely destroyed, and at least three people, including a teenage girl, were taken to hospital. Another three houses near Zaporizhia were also struck, with one missile leaving a deep crater in a backyard. I woke up to everything shaking, crumbling, this woman says. I mean, the Russians want the Ukrainians to, to surrender. Ukrainians are, are, are more determined than ever uh, to resist and to push the Russians out of their country. Tonight, Belarus is calling for a full-scale investigation after a stray Ukrainian air defense missile landed inside its shared border with Ukraine. Annie Bergeron-Oliver, CTV News, London. Also today, Russia's currency hit an eight-month low compared to the U.S. dollar. The ruble has seen sharp declines since the start of December as global oil prices came down and Western sanctions targeted the country's energy sector. The currency almost halved in value during the first weeks of the war, but it has steadied since then by the central bank. Speaking today, the Kremlin's finance minister said the ruble is stabilizing. Around the world tonight, many Catholics are praying for the health of Pope Emeritus Benedict. A Vatican statement today says the 95-year-old remains in grave but stable condition. It says he was able to rest well last night, and he's lucid and aware. Yesterday, Pope Francis asked for prayers for Benedict, saying his predecessor is very ill. Vatican experts say there's no precedent for what happens when a former pope passes away. He really knows what's going to happen. There's no written protocol. They're probably working on it right now. However, uh, since he was a former pope, uh, since he was once a pope, that he ruled the Catholic Church for uh, nearly eight years, he was a head of state, I would suspect that it's going to be very similar to the funeral of a pope, of a reigning pope. Benedict resigned as pope in 2013, citing health issues as his reason for stepping down. British fashion designer and style icon Vivian Westwood has died at the age of 81. A statement from her fashion house says the icon died peacefully at home, surrounded by family. Westwood was an integral part of the British punk movement in the 1970s and is credited with ushering new wave fashion into the mainstream. Westwood was known for her eccentric style, political activism and bold personality. Canadian folk legend Ian Tyson has died at the age of 89. Four strong winds that blow lonely Seven seas that run high All those things that don't change Come on, May He was best known for that hit single, Four Strong Winds, released along with his former wife and musical partner, Sylvia Tyson. It's been covered by countless artists, including Neil Young and Bob Dylan. Ian and Sylvia were inducted into the Canadian Music Hall of Fame together in 1992. Later tonight, artwork, artwork that's baked in ice. These gingerbread masterpieces are the creation of an Ontario woman. The delicious details on where they're starring. 
A mild low of 10 degrees tonight at Pearson Airport. Maybe a little bit cooler downtown it is right now. Drizzle possible. We have to talk about rain, though, not only for tomorrow, but especially for Saturday as well. Significant accumulation in terms of rainfall for the GTA and Hamilton Niagara, where flooding is a concern. I'll show you more coming up. behind me at Nathan Phillips Square. I mean, they're having fun today, but I don't know in a few days, or I don't know how much ice there's going to be there to skate on. Well, you know winter is going to come back with a bang, but right now, if you like Ooh. above season, we'll yeah. enjoy it. It, it. Absolutely. It's a little cooler downtown right now than it is at Pearson. We're feeling around five degrees on the island right now, so not a bad night for skating, but yes, we have a warm-up continued right through this long, this weekend for, for New Year's, and we also have rain to talk about. So we're going to do that because there are some concerns when you combine rain on top of heavy snowfall, melting heavy snowfall, and frozen ground. It is a, a recipe for flooding. Weather is brought to you by Train, the most reliable heating and cooling brand. It's hard to stop a train. So temperature-wise, as I mentioned, around five degrees on the island right now, but nine at Pearson Airport. That is where we have been for most of the day, so we're holding quite steady. In fact, we're also looking at going up a degree as we head into the overnight period. But you can really make out in our temperature contours here uh, where we've got the warmer air mass. There is a uh, arcing warm front just over through northern Ontario and Quebec and all, obviously a ridge in the upper atmosphere helping to usher in air out of the southwest. And it's uh, on the more humid side. We've had some breezes uh, today, 20 to 40 kilometers an hour out of the southwest as well. So feeling a little cooler at times, but still very mild. 10 degrees overnight tonight at Pearson Airport. Minus eight is where we should be at this time of the year. So we are much warmer than we normally are. And as we head into tomorrow, should be getting to around 11 degrees. Certainly double digit highs in many communities throughout the region. A little bit cooler as we get up into uh, areas by the upper Great Lakes, but still very mild. And for perspective, minus one is where we should be. Drizzle possible through the overnight, more likely in the morning, certainly changing to rain as we get into tomorrow. And here's that warm front. You really make it out, actually, to the north of us here. And we've got another system on the way. As the associated warm uh, cold front with this moves through, that's when we're getting the rain. And I'll show you sort of how that plays out on our forecast radar. So a lot of cloud cover tonight, some spotty drizzle here and there. Here's around 9 in the morning. We start to see it moving in. And then more prolonged uh, periods of rainfall as we get into the afternoon. For Toronto, this is maybe about 5 to 10 millimeters. It's as we get into Saturday that's a little bit more prolonged. So we do get this uh, rain overnight Friday and then look at this really concerned about these heavier pockets of rain Hamilton Haldimand County Niagara where you've seen heavy heavy snowfall and these are the areas that are under a flood watch now this is issued municipally it's not uh, an environment Canada warning but a heads up that because you have that heavy snowfall that could melt a little bit but the ground's still frozen you get that rain on top it is a recipe for flooding so clean out any of the storm drains just be aware that take all the possible the, the precautions that you can and keep yourself and your kids and your pets away from rivers and streams when we have this flooding risk. 11 degrees tomorrow, 8 overnight into Saturday where we have 9 degrees, heavier rainfall, about 15 millimeters for Toronto that day, 2 to ring in New Year's, uh, Sunday for New Year's Day, a high of 6 degrees and rainy and then sun returns for Monday but we stay mild right through the 7-day forecast. Back to you, Zoraida. Thank you, Michelle.
Well, take a look at this. A zoo in Virginia is ending 2022 with a new member of its hippopotamus family. This endangered pygmy hippo was born on December 6th. Mom and baby will soon be moved into the indoor pool area, into the indoor pool area which is visible to guests so the baby can start swimming. The baby hippo will eventually grow to about 270 kilograms or 600 pounds in size. The zoo is asking for the public's help in naming her. After the break, young hockey players forced to stick handle travel chaos. How the issues at Canadian airports nearly put one Ontario tournament on ice. On air, online, on every platform. Escape tragedy by mere moments. CTV News Toronto. A story you'll only see here. Winner of the Canadian Screen Award for Best Local Newscast. We have developing details. Watch weeknights at 6. It's a minor hockey tournament that attracts teams from all across North America. But for some young hockey players at the Bell Capital Cup in Ottawa, hitting the ice was nearly impossible. The result of the ongoing problems at airports, but thanks to the quick work of the community and a little good luck, the puck is dropping after all. Here's CTV's Natalie Van Roy. This luggage almost didn't make it to Ottawa for the Bell Capital Cup. It's such a relief to figure out that we have like all of our gear and we and we could play and it, we're playing really well. The team traveling all the way from the Orange County in California to compete, but their bags going missing along the way. So we have 40 people, about 70 pieces of luggage, and these are missing. With time ticking before their first game, support came pouring in from the community. We had people at the rinks where we were like, okay, we need... We need to find goalie masks, and so I would talk to somebody who has a son or a daughter playing goalie. You know, can, can you help out? Not one person said no. Not one person said, I got to go. And they literally brought a truckload of just old gear they had, current gear, and they just let us all pick like what sizes fit. Even uh, Played Against Sports, the city around us, gave us a really huge discount. Backup gear borrowed, other equipment purchased. But it still wasn't the same. Our practice and everyone was not used to that gear. And um, everyone was like all stressed out. At the 11th hour, the bags arriving early Thursday before the team took the ice later that day. They were able to track some of our air tags and locate and pinpoint our luggage. And we woke up this morning to a lobby full of hockey gear, stick bags, luggage. It was wonderful, a Christmas miracle. Truly just in time. Everyone, I feel like everyone was helping us there. And with their regular gear back, the team winning their first game. Hoping the next step might be the championships that will happen at the Canadian Tire Centre. Natalie Van Roy, CTV News. As the year comes to an end, the Governor General has named 99 new appointments to the Order of Canada. The honorees include astronaut David Saint-Jacques, who used his skills as a doctor on a COVID-19 ward after his stint on the space station. Also named to the order was hockey star Sidney Crosby, current captain of the Pittsburgh Penguins. From the entertainment world, stage and screen veteran Victor Garber was named an officer of the order, while fellow actor Eugene Levy was promoted to a companion of the Order of Canada. The life of Marvel Comics visionary Stan Lee will be the focus of an upcoming documentary. Lee is the co-creator of Spider-Man, Black Panther, The Avengers, X-Men and hundreds of other characters. Wednesday would have marked Lee's 100th birthday. To mark the occasion, Marvel announced the project taking a closer look at his life. 
Stan Lee, an original documentary, will stream on Disney Plus sometime next year. Nintendo is sharing a new look at its upcoming theme park as it takes more steps outside the world of video games. Here we go! Fans got a recent look at Super Nintendo World opening up in February at the Universal Studios Hollywood. It's a smaller version of the park in Japan, but its debut comes just two months before the Super Mario Brothers movie hits theaters. Meanwhile, Disney's trying to address concerns about rudeness at the happiest place on Earth. The LA Times reports Disneyland has added a new courtesy section to its website days after a similar notice appeared for the Walt Disney World Resort in Florida. The message says, we ask all who come to this happy place to treat others with respect, kindness and compassion. The changes come after reports of a number of violent confrontations at Disney properties. Stars Tonight is brought to you by Lastman's Bad Boy. Who's better? Nobody. In my experience of two decades, I haven't seen a case like this. Updating our top stories, one of eight teenage girls accused of second-degree murder in the swarming death of a 59-year-old man has been granted bail. The victim was said to be unhoused, and the identities of the accused are protected by the Youth Criminal Justice Act. The murder of Constable Gray was preventable. This should have never happened. Ontario Provincial Police say a man charged in the shooting death of a budding officer near Hagersville has a lengthy criminal past. As a result, calls for the courts to toughen bail rules for violent offenders are growing province-wide. And Pelé, the Brazilian king of soccer, has died at the age of 82 from colon cancer. The legend won a record three World Cups and became one of the most commanding sports figures of the last century. Various sources list Pelé's goal totals between 650 to more than 1,200. Worldwide tributes continue to pour in for the sports icon. In business, investors are getting some holiday cheer before the new year. North American stock markets ending higher today, the second-to-last trading day of 2022. With more, here's Jacqueline Hansen from BNM Bloomberg. Stocks got a lift today in both Canada and the U.S., driven in part by tech, a sector that was particularly hard hit this past year. While still below where it started the year, today the TSX gained 1%, and in the U.S., the tech-heavy Nasdaq led the way higher, up 2.5%, its best day all month. Tesla was a big bright spot. The stock reversed some recent losses, jumping 8%, though shares of the electric vehicle maker are still down nearly 40% this month alone. Meanwhile, more than half of small business owners in Canada will be starting the new year with outstanding pandemic debt. According to the Canadian Federation of Independent Business, the average is above $114,000. Some of the challenges of this year are also expected to persist. The CFIB's business barometer shows skilled labor shortages remain a headache, along with high costs for fuel, wages, materials and more. 
And ticket sales for the new Avatar movie have surpassed $1 billion. It took just two weeks to hit that milestone. It's only the third film to do so this year, and the Avatar sequel did so the fastest. The movie's director, James Cameron, has said that in order for Avatar The Way of Water to break even, it needs ticket sales of $2 billion. The first Avatar, 13 years ago, made almost $3 billion in ticket sales. Let's take a look at some of the closing market numbers for today. The Canadian dollar is trading higher more than a third of a cent to a little under 74 cents U.S. West Texas Intermediate Oil declined about 50 cents to roughly $78 U.S. a barrel. And Western Canadian Select fell about 20 cents to $50.75 U.S. a barrel. As for stock markets, the TSX gained more than 200 points to end the day at 19,485.89. That is the latest in business. I'm Jacqueline Hansen of BNM Bloomberg. Well, twins are already a rare phenomenon, but imagine having two pairs of twins in the same year. That's exactly what happened to a Brampton family who say they're a little overwhelmed, but happy as 2022 comes to a close. Their full story is on our website, ctvnewstoronto.ca. Tonight, the impact of the iconic Ian Tyson. So lost in love was I. The remarkable life and rich legacy of the Canadian folk legend. Later on CTV National News. In Halifax tonight, plays getting underway between Canada and Austria at the World Junior Hockey Championships. And away we go. Canada's hoping for a second win in a row after trouncing Germany 11-2 last night. The game saw 17-year-old Connor Bedard net three goals and four assists. And finally tonight, talk about one sweet gig, an Ontario baker playing an important role in a major motion picture. And she did it in a truly delicious way. CTV's Catalina Gillies explains. So this is the main piece for the movie. Beatrice Mueller has been making gingerbread houses since 2015. The baker from Innisfil won a Food Network competition in 2019, catching the attention of many, including Warner Brothers. They wanted um, somebody to make uh, several, actually, they told me several gingerbread pieces for their movie. Mueller says she had six weeks to complete six gingerbread houses. She recruited her daughter along with three other sugar artists. They work 10 to 12 hours a day to finish the pieces in time for filming. It's, it's the long days, um, a, a lot of um, detail work because these pieces were very detailed. We only did um, the front and the sides. Because of the time frame, we didn't finish the back. The pieces included a mosque and a train station modeled after a station in Montreal where the movie was filmed. They sent us the script and we have to follow the script, um, uh, the storyline. So I have one of the girls reading the script and constantly, okay, we did this piece, okay, next. Filming took place in May and June. And action. Mueller spent the day on set to help things go smoothly, but they did have one small hiccup. As the camera went, went in, they broke the, the back of the pieces, uh, sugar pieces. Uh, 
So they have to film it in an angle. <laughs> Mueller has already watched the movie with her family, saying it was a dream come true. Oh my God, yeah, just seeing your name, you know, like uh, in the credits. The movie A Gingerbread Christmas is out now. Mueller says she would love to be involved with movies again in the future, but for now we'll focus on her cake orders. Catalina Gillies, CTV News, Barry. All right, one last look at the forecast. It seems like in some areas, temperatures still rising. A little bit. As we head into the overnight period, we should maybe gain a degree at Pearson Airport and then another one as we get into tomorrow. But we are looking at double-digit highs uh, and potentially double-digit lows for some of us. Let's take a look at our radar and satellite imagery right now. Not a lot to show you in terms of radar, but we do have a fair bit of cloud cover. Expect the potential for some drizzle overnight early in the morning. And then as we get later in the morning into the afternoon tomorrow in the GTA, that's when we'll see the rainfall moving in. 5 to 10 millimeters tomorrow. And then another uh, 15, probably, as we get into Saturday. 11 is our high tomorrow, 9 for Saturday, ringing in 2023 at 6 degrees and staying warm, really, for the next seven days. All right. Thank you, Michelle. Be sure to join Joy Malbin tonight at 11 for CTV National News, followed by our next local newscast at 11.30. In the meantime, our coverage continues anytime on CP24 and online at ctvnewstoronto.ca. For Michelle Job and all of us at CTV News, thank you for watching and have a good night. We'll see you at 11.30.